Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnates. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Hello. Welcome to... Dirt Radio on 3CR 855 AM. Um, You are joined by Elise Cunningham today. I'm the coordinator of the Sustainable Cities Collective at Friends of the Earth Melbourne. And I am joined today by a wonderful guest, uh, Girish Kara, who is a resident from Mount Atkinson Estate in the LGA of Melton or Corroid Electorate. It's sort of hard to... uh, um, (laughs) define exactly how to explain where that place is. Um, And we'll be talking a bit today about um, Mount Atkinson and their public transport woes, um, as well as a brief update on the Better Buses current strategy. Um, Just before we um, say hello, Girish, I just want to acknowledge that we are joining today on Stolen Land. Uh, We're here in so-called Collingwood on uh, Wurundjeri Woiwurrung land, uh, but we'll be talking a lot um, today about uh, Bunurong and Wadawurrung country as well, which is, um, yeah, Melbourne's outer western suburbs. And yeah, just want to acknowledge sovereignty has never been ceded over those lands and uh, First Nations peoples have been caring for country out there for tens of thousands of years. And I just pay respect to elders past, present and to uh, current First Nations mobs and elders, um, this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Um, so, Girish, how are you this morning? Thanks for coming in. Uh, Elise, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, it's a nice Melbourne Tuesday morning, so loving it to be here. Yeah, it's a bit, uh, bit of a bit of a chilly one today, but not too bad. Um, so. Let's get into it and talk a bit about Mount Atkinson and um, what life is like for you and your community out there. So I'll just start with a few questions about you personally. So how how long have you been living in Mount Atkinson and what was it that made you decide to move out there? So I have uh, moved into the estate like a year back and um, but the building process has been ongoing for some time, um, obviously covid impacted the build time but so effectively I've been uh, planning to move in for three plus years to be honest and I've seen that area grow over those three years Um, having said that about Mount Atkinson it's not that far from the city it's only 25 k's you can on a good clear day you can actually see the CBD buildings from Mount Atkinson Um, so you can say it's one of the surprisingly quiet suburbs of um, Melbourne, but it's not that far from the city itself, and it's growing pretty fast for us um, as an outer suburb, so-called, um, from zero 
to 5000 residents in under 5 years wow so um it's going pretty fast but yes not many people know about us um because we are um located in a suburb called Tragnaina which is massive a massive and all that split between two councils of Windham and Melton we in the mount atkinson estate on the melton side and um, as a new community we still haven't got an identity of our own and hence um the concerns with a uh, need for more focus on our areas and our developments yeah well absolutely i think you know this is uh an issue that we're seeing across the west in newer developments in the outer suburbs um there's just so many public transport black holes um and this is something that very much exists in mount atkinson um what what is the public transport situation like out there so um i think it's a op- opening summary statement that we don't exist or are not on victoria's public transport map when i say that we don't have public buses at all we are not serviced by public bus at all and then for public trains we do have two stations but it takes minimum of 10 to 12 minutes drive to get to either of the stations so the closest being the rock bank station mm-hmm. that itself accessibility is a challenge with <laughs> all these growth estates and roads getting blocked up with construction and everything not to forget the challenges with that station with parking and all is quite well publicized in the media itself um so mount atkinson is on the difficult end from a public transport perspective we don't have anything mm. going there yeah but you do have some so you've got some buses that i know go like down what's is it hopkins road that sort of main road but they don't actually they just drive right past the estate they don't actually stop at the estate um and then you know in in the estate there's obviously no pharmacy there's no grocery store there's no doctors so any anything you need you have to drive like what is it minimum 10 minutes to to access it yeah you spot on because um we don't ha- like as of new estate we don't have any of these essential services so no local shops no medical centers or doctors um in fact the only thing we do have as a 5000 residents is um two parks and a ca- local cafe yeah um so imagine anything that you do need for a sustainable livability wise is not there and need to get anything um we do need to go not to the neighboring suburb but the suburb out Mm. Our neighboring suburbs of Rockbank and Deanside they also don't have anything. They have the same the same issue going same on. Same issue. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we have to go out to an entry suburb or a Calhoun Springs suburb. Yeah. Now imagine a resident, one of say 5000 resource residents, if they need to do the weekly groceries, they need to hop a suburb, drive up at least like 12 13 minutes minimum to get to the shop. And if they have to do that they have to go by their car because there are no public buses <laughs> so if they don't drive <laughs> oh then, you're in you know, tough luck yeah what are and, you going to do <laughs> and we do have some residents like that so mm. because these new suburbs have a lot of immigrant population not everyone is uh, comfortable or well versed with driving yeah straight off um so there is that challenge which is certainly 
been felt by this new community and hence the need for a more um, comprehensive review and look for pub- offering public transport for these new suburbs early on. Yeah. What are what are some of the things that you've heard from the community that people like what are some of the biggest challenges people are facing like particularly if they don't drive but you know in general um what are some of those like stories that you're hearing from within the community about well uh, it's 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 there are a lot of use cases and a lot of different stories coming from different people because like i said 5000 people are quite a lot of people different from I mean, people coming from different backgrounds different cohorts uh, we have people we have residents who are like a single mother with two sons and she's actually spending in absence of public buses she's spending a lot of money mm. on fuel because for her to go to work that's one car that she has to do then for school pickups she has to take break from work do the pickups bring the kids back home and then for anything and everything there's a lot of fuel involved mm. so imagine a single mom having to go through that kind of a challenge especially in the cost of living crisis yeah yeah that's not good and also <laughs> the you know um the fact that emissions from transport are the second largest and fastest growing source in Victoria. I remember once when I was out visiting um, your group in Mount Atkinson, I was talking to someone whose name slips my memory right now, but um, he was saying that he gets really frustrated with relying on his car all the time because, you know, he doesn't want to be driving up emissions and stuff either. Like he's environmentally conscious and um, is really frustrated by not having an alternative to the car um, something I want to quickly touch on as well. So maybe we'll chat about this for a bit and then go to some community service announcements before we come back and talk a bit more about, you know, what the residence group is most active on. Um, I wanted to talk about the Stockland and RSL mini bus that, um, <laughs> that you guys have as your only mode of, uh, quote unquote public transport. Um, so, yeah, maybe if you want to explain like what this bus is and who's running it and um, how much it's actually useful for the community. Yeah, so look, imagine now five years from the time the state uh, started construction, the only uh, so-called public uh, bus or public services are service provided by the developer to fill in the vacuum left by the, <laughs> the absence of public <laughs> bus. Yeah. <laughs> like the government should have been running this public bus, but then they don't. They're not. So there's a developer-run minivan, a 11-seater minivan, which is probably run with association with the local RSL. But then even the developers, they can't spend crazy money. So they have a limited service on it. Mm. Um, it's it's run six times in a day, three in the times in the morning, three times in the evening. It's a pretty limited service from sta- estate to the Rock Bank Station. It's something, but it's it's obviously not enough. Oh, not not at not at all, and by no means something that can fill that public transport gap. And it's just it's just mind blowing to think that there's parts of Melbourne, Victoria, where there's the public transport is so bad that the developers have to provide that because the the government is falling so short on ensuring that these out, newer outer suburbs are going to have access to quality public transport. Like you said, there's a cost of living crisis, there's an environmental crisis, and it's just like mind-blowing, mind really. 
Um, I'm just going to play a couple of station IDs now and then we'll come back and we'll dig into, yeah, what Matt Atkinson Residence Group have been up to and, um, yeah, looking forward to hearing about it. When I was new to Melbourne, I found a Food Not Bombs flyer on the road and I had like this feast with a carrot and carrots are my favourite vegetable. Yeah, I think they were asking for help doing stuff and I got in touch. We, I guess, rescue food. That would otherwise go to waste. I like the aspect of sharing food and um, not making anyone feel obligated to pay anything for it. We make a real point at Food Not Bombs of involving everyone who wants to be involved in whichever part they want to be involved in. For more information, go to fnbmelb.noblogs.org. Food Not Bombs is a 3CR supporter. Food Not Bombs. 3CR is about community and we welcome your participation at the station. 3CR is open to a wide diversity of volunteers and is a great way to connect with Melbourne's activist community. Have you ever thought about volunteering, doing a reception shift, getting a program on air, training in radio skills or contributing to one of the station's committees? There are many ways to be involved at 3CR. To find out more, go to 3cr.org.au and get in touch. Welcome back. You're listening to Dirt Radio on 3CR 855 AM with Elise Cunningham from Foes Sustainable Cities Collective. And I'm joined with Garish Kara from the Mount Atkinson Estate in Truganina or Melton or wherever, <laughs> wherever it is. Um, Girish, can you tell our listeners a bit about um, the Mount Atkinson Residence Group, how the group formed and um, what you guys are working on at the moment? Well, um, the Mount Atkinson Residence Group actually kind of informally came together in Feb this year. And that was on the back of our meeting with the local MPs team, which was uh, uh, thankfully actually facilitated by you back then. Mm -hmm. Um, It was only on the back of that meeting with the local MP that we realized that we do need to uh, have a bit of a grouping uh, to ensure we can share our challenges, the residence challenges, with the likes of the local MPs and the council and other agencies because it's a simple thing. If you're not telling about something, people will not dream about it. So you have to tell your challenges and this group is meant, uh, formed to flag the concerns and challenges so something can be done about them. Um, We have been quite active on public transportation, obviously, which is a really big painful area for us. But then we are also uh, looking at now the other local infrastructure aspects, be it the uh, roads that are really rural great uh, state or things like uh, the lack of uh, social amenities uh, like the public parks, which are just left for um, with no maintenance at all. So uh, the resident group is a volunteer resident group, which is identifying these infrastructure issues and uh, working with these agencies to help bring them to their attention and solve for them. And so what's your what's your approach for that? Like how do you go about um, 
raising awareness of the issues that the community is facing and, you know, make your, I guess, demands or uh, requests for the, the changes that, that you need. So it's an advocacy group and uh, the way we go is about a plain engagement approach. Uh, we we identify, so if there's a challenge, uh, we identify who's the responsible agency for that. We work to engage with them, um, have those discussions, uh, check in with them what they can do, what we can do for the to them for them to support them on, um, say be it the business case or uh, detailing the challenge itself, and then it's an ongoing journey where um, some of the agencies have to follow their own processes, which can be quite time-consuming and have a long uh, end date um, to some agencies who just say, yeah, look, it's not a big deal. Thanks for bringing it to our attention and we can quickly solve for it. Um, and it's pretty wide-ranging uh, from, like I said, um, simple things as uh, a public park not getting the attention it needs to, say, a public bus, which has been an ongoing journey for us. Mm. And, and we might hear about it only after one year's uh, engagement on that topic, topic. Mm. so so and it's been a learning process for us so far yeah yeah i mean as a new community group i guess it yeah it takes takes time to find your feed and figure out you know what what who in the group wants to do what and all, all that kind of stuff um what have been some of the things that you're asking for uh recently i know we had a bit of a chat about i guess um, your requests around the the growth area infrastructure contribution funding, which for those listening who don't know what that is, there's a pool of what is it half a half a billion dollars um, that uh, the government is um, holding on to somewhere that uh, is yes yeah, supposed to fund um, community services or like community centres, and it can fund buses as well. Um, but yeah, the last two budget cycles or yeah, um, they haven't spent anything on it. So, um, yeah, what has the group been sort of, uh, what's your, what's been your angle around the, the gate as, as they call it? So the gate has been an interesting, um, beast for the lack of work, <laughs> but, uh, we did do some research as to what has been Margaret Kinson's benefit or what, what, what has been there. Uh, drawdown on that funding. Uh, we did have some, um, so the community centre has been one of the beneficiaries for us. But for our latest um, view, it's that we do need support or funding from GIG for a public bus. We do understand growth areas like ours in the past have been funded, uh, have got funding for their pub- local public buses, mm-hmm. uh, which could be for five years. Um, we have requested the local council as well as um, through our local rep- government representation um, to have some allocation in the upcoming gig funding mm-hmm. for a local bus for our area as well. Now, like I said, given our location, we are in need for a dedicated scheduled bus service yeah. um, because we are a fast-going community and uh, sharing a, <laughs> a existing bus route probably will have its own challenges beyond frequency and other things. Mm. So a gig funding for a scheduled dedicated public bus will certainly make that big difference for our going community. Yeah. And I think um, what what your community is asking for around the gig also fits in really well with um, our current asks in the Better Buses campaign because 
Um, as you know, we are, and well, for the listeners who don't know, um, the Better Buses campaign has been going for about two years now, um, asking for a big network-wide transformation of the bus network in Victoria, but particularly and priority given to Melbourne's western suburbs where the public transport situation is most dire. Um, and earlier this year, we were um, informed that the government is changing the ways that they recontract bus companies from a private tender to a public tender um, so they can consolidate more contracts into one because part of the issue that's um, they've had around reform in the past has been the multiple operators running buses on one part of the route map. Um, whereas in the West, uh, CDC Victoria runs a lot of the routes. Um, all of the ones in Wyndham, but um, most, you know, I would say majority of the ones in the West, and they do um, have a bus that runs to Caroline Spring Station, for example. I think there's one from Water Gardens and one from somewhere else. Um, so I think that kind of ties in nicely because what we're asking for now is, you know, we don't see this issue of multiple operators as a big problem in the Western suburbs. It's just one, you know, really dominant um, bus company out there. So we want to see them use some of this GAKE funding and put that towards a pilot for bus reform in Melbourne's West using um, CDC Victoria's contracts. And I think, you know, ma no matter where that is, I mean, ideally, the just the entire West would get bus reform straight away. Um, but we really wanted to emphasise that, you know, this sort of uh, issue with multiple operators, um, you know, while it might have been an issue in the past, it's just... Yeah, it's not a thing in the West anyway. It's like it's mainly a problem in the northern suburbs and northeast, but in the West, it's um, it really shouldn't be that much of a problem for them to be able to just do a pilot and get it done for the community that needs it the most. And so that areas like Mount Atkinson don't have just zero public transport whatsoever. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to like go over that a bit in this episode as well, just to sort of make that connection between what we're asking for and how that, you know, works in terms of what community groups like Mount Atkins and Residents Group are asking for at the moment. Yeah, um, and to add to it, as someone who was actually renting in another western suburb like Tarnit, I, I completely agree. The western suburbs are growing at a very exponential pace. Um, by the time a bus route is identified and d delivered, the community has grown again, and hence uh, the western suburbs do need that ongoing um, periodic cadence of road route reviews to ensure that the public money that's going into public buses running is getting um, used in the most efficient manner. Yeah. So a periodic review of the routes will ensure the most efficient use of the public money for the public buses. Yeah, because at the moment, the way they're doing it is how they've always done it, which is this very slow process of one bus a time. And it can take years for them to add even one bus to the network. And as you said, you know, Melbourne's West, particularly Melton and particularly Wyndham, are growing at an exponential rate. And there's just, it's just not keeping up with the needs of the community whatsoever. Um, so I think we definitely agree. <laughs> we can all agree this is something that is really, really urgently needed and we're really hoping to see that in this term of government as well because um yeah we can't have them kicking it down the line any longer it's just communities getting way too frustrated um and at the end of the day labor's going to lose votes if they don't start um providing for their community so um speak speaking of which i i'm I'd, I'd like to talk a bit about what your experience has been with politicians um 
throughout the course? Like what's been the experience with your local representatives and are they are they paying attention? And yeah, what's what's been happening recently on that front? So, uh, no, it's a good question. And look, we in, we are located in Corite Electorate, which has, uh, which has been a, a very safe labor seat. We do have a first-time MP, Luba, uh, who has been very uh, welcoming to our needs. Um, I would say it's been very positive engagement. Um, the challenge we are obviously facing is there's a bit of a backlog. So um, while local MP is working, uh, but then like you said earlier, the whole journey to get a bus route allocated and sanctioned is so long. Imagine residents who have been living here for five years, they have to probably uh, wait for another one year, actually, for to see public buses on the road in their state. And this is when hopefully everything goes to plan. Um, so, so even with a positive engagement with the local representation, the process is so elongated, it's just frustrating. Yeah. Um... So I guess, you know, you've, I know that um, Luba has been out to visit you guys a few times and you've had some, you know, she's been paying attention and um, coming along to some of the group's meetings and stuff. Um, have you, have you met with any other sort of politicians recently or had much experience? Uh, good that else? you asked because yeah. we did meet up with David Ethershank uh, okay. just last weekend. Uh, or in fact, the weekend before, sorry. <laughs> um, and David was very gracious to have come all the way to meet us up. Uh, like I said, we are technically not that far from Zadie, but it's isolated. So, <laughs> with, uh, And we had a very positive uh, engagement with David. Um, in fact, uh, David was so uh, taken aback with our plight <laughs> that he had a member statement in the parliament within that week itself um, requesting um, the government to consider allocating a scheduled bus for us because look uh, they were David also re- uh, realized that there are residents who actually need healthcare facilities and they're stuck if there's no car at home mm. they can't even make to a GP appointment it's all dependent on private cars like not everyone can afford Uber in this mm. drama Definitely of price crisis of living expenses so um, David was very very understanding, supportive, and we look forward to engagement with him as well going forward. Yeah, he's been, um, yeah, he seems to be really passionate about this this issue um, and paying a lot of attention to our campaign as well, which has been fantastic. Um, so just a, we've got a couple minutes left or just about a, a, a minute and then we'll go to um, a community service announcement and then we'll, we'll hop out of the studio for... Um, Billabong Beats to come on in. Um, so what what is it that listeners can do to support your community? Um, we've we've got our petition going at the moment for a pilot for bus reform using the GAKE um, funding. So please head to melbournefo.org.au slash transport and sign our petition. Um, but what, what what is it that Mount Atkinson... I mean, you know, obviously our petition is like built around your needs as well. But um, what is it that... Um, yeah, the listeners can do to support you guys. Well, as a growing community, we certainly do need a scheduled bus, and that's a good start. What we also need is, like what you said, uh, an ongoing periodic review of the bus routes. Again, see, this community is meant to grow to 25,000 from 5,000 presently in the next 15 years or so. Mm-hmm. Now, imagine 
if we are stuck with just that existing bus route, then the remaining 20,000 of people who will join the community will be left behind. So hence, that need for periodic ongoing reviews is massively important for our uh, western suburbs and for the state uh, to ensure the bus routes network is servicing the communities mm. as they would like them to. Um, I guess that's the biggest ask, to be honest. Um, apart from obviously at least getting us on the tourist <laughs> public to public uh, transport map itself, mm. which we are missing from. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say listeners definitely, you know, talk to people about um, this issue and tell people what you've learned about Mount Atkinson, sign our petition. Um, and there's also a multicultural statement currently being drafted by um, there's participation from Mount Atkinson Residence Group um, and other groups across the West, which it was initiated by um, some people from the Indian and Bangladeshi community out in the Wyndham area. Um, and that's going out to, yeah, um, make a statement from um, multicultural communities across Melbourne's West um, on, you know, particularly how uh, lack of PT affects um, people from different cultural backgrounds across the West. Um, so thank you so much, Girish, uh, for a brilliant episode of Dirt Radio. Um, I've been the host, Elise Cunningham from Sustainable Cities, and uh, we'll, we'll see you again soon and we'll close out with um, an Archie Roach tune. Thanks, Girish. Bye. Thanks, Elise.